There's a story of a man who broke down in the woods, and it was about 1 a.m. And in the middle of the woods, during a storm, while there was lightning and striking, the car had broken down. As the rain came pouring, the man knew that he needed to find shelter or even make a call for help. There was no signal on his phone. So he had sent out, he, he seen a very hazy light in the far distance. He got out of his car and began to walk. As he got closer, he seen the shape of a little house with a smoke from a fireplace coming out while walking through the storm. As he started walking closer, he thought, what's a house doing in the middle of nowhere? What if he's a crazy person? He got a little closer to the house. He said, what if he escaped from prison and he's on the run? As he got right up to the porch, he was thinking, maybe he's a murderer and no one can find him. He's probably going to kill me. So then he picked up a rock, knocked on the door, waits for the man to open the door, and then he proceeded to hit the man with the rock saying, Die, you crazy prison escapee who murders little babies. Die! And he began to kill the man. Moral of the story, if you look at it, is he became the very one thing that he hated. Never met the man, never knew anything about the man, but just made up the very own story in his head of an innocent man in an innocent place. Now, some of you here this morning say, well, that, that's crazy. Why would he do that? See, you and I must be very careful of what we are going to become. See, many of us see things and we go, I'll never be that. But actually, if you meditate on that very thing, you can find yourself becoming just that. Oh, that person, they're a hater. If you keep dwelling on haters, guess what? You become a hater yourself. If you keep dwelling and meditating on the evil of this world, guess what? That evil finds itself inside of your heart. See, you and I must be very careful because in 2017, if you want to start fresh, it's not about doing, but it's about being. What God has called you and I to be. Can I hear an amen? See, in 2017, I want to ask you this question. What do you want to become? See, some of us, we live in fear all our lives, and we become fearful. I'll never be anything. I'll never do any. I can never be that. I can never go there. See, some of you, you, you hear us talk of these stories in South Africa. Say, I can never do that. I can never, that, that never be me. I'll never be able to do that. My friend, you and I must realize is that we are not human doings. We are human beings. And until you realize what God has called you to be, you're never going to know what God has called you to do. See, you and I here this morning, the Bible talks about here with Paul, is that he was saying, every time, whenever I made the trip over there, I'm always letting everybody know what God has done there in the church of Ephesus. You're always in my prayers. I'm always thinking about you. I'm always praying for you. I'm always letting everybody know what God did in my life when I was there in Ephesus. See, when you see the people here and they're, they're wearing their attire, well, we're not wearing the attire as a costume. We're wearing the attire to let everybody know here in the heart of the bay what God did in our lives, what God showed us there while we were in South Africa. Matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gives us in Christ Jesus before the age began. 
See, God has given you and I a specific calling, a specific power, a specific grace for you and I, but it's up to us to walk in that. Can I hear an amen? I want to share with you just real briefly what I've seen of what God touched within my life. Just three simple things that what I've seen become of Cape Town, South Africa. What I've seen become of these different men and different women. I, I, I actually first went there back in 2006. And when I seen it, what I've seen in 2006 is pretty much the same spirit just more of it, more of it. When, the, when we started in 2006 and we set uh, Pastor James and, and his family there in 2006, there was really no church. It was actually just a big mob of men and women that just wanted to love God. Actually, they started out with a Bible study. That's what they did. They said, let's get a Bible study together. Guess what? In their first Bible study, they had 100 people in a Bible study. What do we do now? I said, well, just have another Bible study. They did it again. They had 150 people. This was from one week to the next. And then all of a sudden, they were getting phone calls. Man, can you, can you bring my son in? I, we heard you're from Victory Outreach, and you helped the drug addict. I said, we, we heard that you helped the gang member. Can you help us? And then little by little, it just began to spread. It began to spread. And so this past week, uh, the uh, past couple weeks that we saw, we just saw a, a, a remnant of that. We saw it spreading from 2006 even to now. Ten years later, it's still there. Why? Because it wasn't about the doings. It was about the beings of who they are, who we are, and who you are. Can I hear an amen? See, in 2017, I want to be all that God has called me to be. I want to be that man. I want to be that father. I want to be that husband. I want to be that pastor. It's not about doing pastoral duties. It's about being the pastor that God has called me to be. And listen, I, even when I was there, I was asking God, God, I need to take an evaluation of who you've called me to be. Am I, am I doing it? Am I being that? And so there was three things that really hit me from South Africa that I want to share with you here this morning. And the first one is learning and seeing what it is to be joyful. Somebody say joyful. You can see the joy on the faces of the men and women there in Cape Town. See, a lot of times, even when you, uh, you'll see me, I come back and right away, what do we always do? We say, all right, come on, it's time to dance, right? I get some of you, and I can see it on some of your faces. When all of a sudden, like, all right, we're going to dance. And some of you guys are like, oh, man. See, because dancing is what you do, but joyful is who you are. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? See, some of you, that's why you needed something inside in order to make these feet move. Right? That was like the only way. Oh, I ain't dancing unless I get me a little, you know. That was like the only way you would ever do, do anything. Because that's why when you would take that in, you would become somebody that you're not, right? So here, we see these men and women, they're joyful. They're happy. You ever walk into a room and somebody's just smiling? And you look at them and go, man, why are you smiling? Because I'm happy. So right away, well, what, what, did somebody give you money? Did somebody, you know, what, did you get a new car? Did you get a new house? Like, why are you so happy? I am just happy. 
See, for those that don't understand the internal transformation, externally doesn't make sense. Like, why are you dancing? Why are you lifting your hands? Why are you thanking God? Why are you praising the Lord? Why? Because there's a joy that has come inside. And the Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And the morning time signifies when you wake up. So that's why when you see people dancing and you see people shouting, it's because they got a joy on the inside that needs to manifest on the outside. It's a joy. It's not just a movement. It's not just a dancing. It is a joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you're here this morning and you're feeling weak, you need to get a joy inside of you. You have got to get, that's why many times we say, man, you, you, you got to move a little bit. You got to dance a little. Some of you, some of you got that, that spirit of the Wizard of Oz, of, of the Tin Man, like, Matter of fact, when you read the scriptures, Jesus himself says, listen, we played the harp for you, but you did not dance. We did all this, but you're like, oh, leave it to somebody else. But, man, I'm telling you, when you, when you are there, well, I, I call it the river because the, what they do is they come at the altar and everybody begins to dance. I'm like, whoa. And I'll just share a little story with you. Uh, I, I emceed one of the nights. And at the end of the night, I said, all right, come on, let's go. You know, we're, we're going to start dancing and start moving. I mean, I love dance. I love moving. It's just a, a part of me. And so I'm getting, and I can see the Americans. There was, a, there was a lot of Americans there. We had about almost 200 Americans that flew all the way from uh, Southern California, Washington, Texas. And they came from all over, about 200. And so here, here, you know, the, the, the Cape Tonians, Pretorians, Joe Berg, Mitchell's playing. They're just there, and they're, ooh, they're moving, they're moving. And you can see they're, they, have, they get in this chemistry, in this, in this line. They just look at each other. You ready? You ready? It's all, let's go. You know, they just have this, like, you know, they're just they're going. And you can see the Americans. Now, some of them were trying. They were, I mean, they really were. Like, uh, you know, we were singing the song, the Maribong, Way, and everyone's, and you can see the Americans, Maribong, Way, I got it, I got it, Maribong, Way, put your right foot in and you shake it all about, you know. And then others, there were other Americans, they were just watching, they were like, <laughs> And if you know me, I was getting like, oh, like well, you. In other words, we got this river right here, and nobody wants to jump in. So I said, no, 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 no. I said, you know what? Go get. I said, all the Cape Tonians and South Africans. I go, go grab an American, bring them up. And they, uh, they all just kind of looked at me. You should have seen it. They, they, they all came, and you could see them. But this was the thing. The, I was up on stage, so I could see it. The moment they came in, you could see their faces go from. And all of a sudden, they went in, and they went. <laughs> you think I'm lying. I'm really not lying. You could see their faces. They're just like, what? And then we said, okay, come on, everybody, let's go. And then you could just see them. They're like, oh, man, they ain't got no rhythm whatsoever, but who cares? They were just like, yeah, Maribon, I don't even know what I'm saying. I don't know what. And you could just see the joy of the Lord. See, because this is the thing about joy. It's contagious. 
It's contagious. See, the Christmas spirit, that's why sometimes, Merry Christmas, and then you got that bah humbug. But when all of a sudden, when you just have that joy of the Lord, you realize that, hey, it's not about what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. And when you see these South Africans and you see that, it's just a joy that makes them want to dance, that makes them want to move. Why? Because God has done such great things within their lives. I can't help but to express my love for God through a joy, through a dance, through a shouting, through a moving, through a waving, because I I've got the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, it's my strength. Even when I'm going through hard times, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Even when the doctor gives me a bad report, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Even when it seems like all hell is breaking loose in my family, the joy of the Lord. So you don't ask them, say, wait, 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 you can't be dancing right now. You got a bad report back at home. Your children aren't saved yet. You you barely have any money for a gift for you. How in the world? It's not about what's on the outside. The joy is on the inside. It's the inside. I want to challenge us, Victory Outreach. You, you, you already know you got a pastor that loves to dance. And I will dance in the good times. I'll dance in the bad times. I just like to dance. Now, I know some of you look at me like, oh, that's good for him. No, 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 no. It's not good for me. It's good for us. The joy. See, that's why some of you, you can go to work when your coworkers are all bitter. Your coworkers are all like, I don't know, my boss, my boss, they ain't giving me no money. I should be taking my overtime. And you hear all this stuff. But when you show up, we are champions. We are so. Did you get a raise? No, I just got the joy of the Lord. Why are you so happy? Because I got the joy of the Lord. Even in the weakest times, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Can I hear an amen? Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. The second thing that I seen here was they were very grateful. Very, very grateful. The spirit of gratefulness. Now, the thing about gratefulness is that you can do your best to instill it, but gratefulness must be caught. It has to be caught. One of the uh, one of the men that was there, uh, his name is Pastor Francois. Every time I go there, I've gone there six times now or, or seven times. I'm kind of losing track. But every time I've been there, he always comes up to me and says the same thing. Every time. Never fails. His name is Pastor Francois. I think he spoke here. If you guys remember him. Short African. You remember him? And he spoke. They're powerful word, powerful word. The guy could preach really good. Every time I go there, he tells me the same thing. Comes up to me, gives me a hug. Pastor, just want you to know, very grateful for you and your father. Thank you. Every time. Without, I didn't even do anything. I just barely walked up. Hey, how you doing? Thank you. I haven't even shaken your hand yet. I haven't either. Thank you. Every time. There's a spirit that is inside of them to say thank you. It's just there. Listen to me. I've learned this. It is never a wrong time to say thank you. There's never a wrong time. Never. There's always, always that opportunity. But the thing is, it has to be the spirit that is caught. Don't you try to teach your children that, right? To tell them thank you. I, I have four kids. I'm constantly calling. Tell them thank you. Tell them thank you. I feel like 
You know, every time my kids come around, I, for no reason, I'll just tell them thank you. Tell who? I don't know. Just find somebody. Go tell them thank you. Because I'm, I'm trying to teach my kids and even myself. That's the thing. In teaching my children, I'm teaching me. I got to learn. Hey, thank you. Oh, thank, tell them thank you. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Because it's the spirit. See, we say it because that's the doing. But the being is grateful. Because I'm grateful, I want to do this. Because I'm thankful, I want to do this. And see, that's why you and I must understand, even Paul told the church here, says, I'm always thankful for you. Always grateful for you. Always grateful. Listen to me. My prayer is, is that this holiday season wouldn't be the only season that you ever say thank you. That you would have a spirit of gratefulness, a spirit of thankfulness. Man, when I see the, the, the men up there, I was talking about the men that came up here and sang at the conference uh, that we had, the African conference. Oh, man, the spirit that was up there. You know what I loved is that I saw the men and the women that were up there. Uh, many of them were graduates, but they just wanted to go back and sing. They just see, you know, now we have guys in the home. They're like, oh, I'm a graduate now. Cool. No, no, no. I don't do that anymore. I don't clean anymore. Like, wait, wait, when did cleaning, when did helping, when did it have to do with if you're in the home or not? It has to do with the spirit of it. It has nothing to do with a title. It has nothing to do with, okay, I get paid for it, so I'm going to do it. No, gratefulness is a spirit. And being grateful for what God has done. That's why you will see many men and many women come behind the pulpit. And they'll get, grab the microphone and they'll say, man, I'm just thankful. And the tears will flow down their eyes. See, the tear came in. This is what you saw, but really it was in here. Just grateful for what God has done within our lives. Listen to me. This holiday season, be a grateful man of God. Be a grateful woman of God. It's not about what you obtain. It's not about what's under the tree, but it's inside your heart. And be a grateful man, a grateful husband, a grateful wife. That man, I'm so grateful that I'm alive today, that God has given me purpose, that God has given me a calling, that God has given me an opportunity just to worship him and love him here. I'm grateful. Somebody say grateful. Someone say grateful. Tell the person next to you, grateful. I want to be a grateful church, a grateful congregation, a grateful flock, men and women that are grateful for what God has done within their lives. And the third thing and the last thing, and I close with this, is that I saw an envisioned people, envisioned, seeing the vision. It's kind of the same. All three of these have to do with the same thing. In other words, you could teach it, but it must be caught. You could teach it, must be caught. It's a spirit. It's a spirit of joy. It's a spirit of gratefulness, and it's a spirit of vision. You have to, you have to catch this thing. And this year, in 2017, I and my wife, we've been even talking, and we're going to even talk some more, that God has really been working with us and dealing on us that we really want to see more disciples and what I mean by disciples is that men and women that believe that God has a calling on their life God has a plan for their life and it's more than just saying well I'll think about going there I'll th see you came to church you go to church until you realize you are the church and that wherever you go it's a different state of mind it's a different way of being 
when Jesus took his disciples, he understood that at the very beginning it was going to take some time. So in 2017, we really want to dedicate our hearts and our lives to getting men and women who want to be disciples. Do you believe that God has a calling for Hayward? First, let me start with that. How many believe that God has a calling for Hayward? How many believe that God has a calling for Union City? How many believe God has a calling for San Leandro, San Lorenzo? Come on, how many believe that? How about Castro Valley? How about Oakland? Come on, how many believe that? All those cities are the title. Hayward is the title. But if you really think about it, when you travel and you go places, when you say, I'm from Hayward, guess what? People are now going to label you. You're Hayward. Whenever I travel, that's that's what happens. Because they look at somebody, and the moment you say it, you are now it. You're Union City. You're Dakota. You're Hayward. You're Castro Valley. You're San Leandro. You're San Lorenzo. No, no, no. I just don't live there. I am there. I am it. And being a disciple realizes that you interject, you in, it, get inside there and change the atmosphere of what you want to see. See, because me, I am tired of seeing the reports from Hayward, another man gets shot. I am tired of seeing and reading and watching the reports in San Leandro, San Lorenzo, another cop gets killed. I'm tired of seeing in Dakota all these drug busts and this and all these things happening. No, if I am going to be that, then I have to say, God, do what you have to inside of me because I want to change that. If that is going to change, now this is where it is. If that is going to change, because we hear the reports all the time, and don't they grab your emotion? Another kid gets shot. Oh, that gets you. Another family gets wounded. Somebody to drive by. Oh, that gets you. But if there's really going to be a change, the change doesn't happen with the title. It changes with the disciple. And this year in 2017, I am, uh, God has just been impressing upon my heart cities, the Bay Area. Here, there's so many cities in the Bay Area that I just look around. We don't have victory outreaches in San Mateo. We have Burlingame, Foster City, South City. South City, South City is not San Francisco. If you're from South City, they'll, oh, no, we're not San Francisco. Berkeley. Walnut Creek. <laughs> we got all these. And then even right next door, we got Union City, Dakota. Oh, come on, Dakota. We got all these different places all around. But I know and I understand. We can talk about all this, but until it happens here, it's just a great thing to say. But it isn't until the men and women catch the vision. See, what I saw there in Cape Town is that they caught the vision. Mitchell's Plain, Pretoria, Johannesburg. They sent out a church. I was so happy. They sent out a church from Johannesburg to go to East Rand. It's like going from Oakland to to Berkeley. It's just like that. It's a big city, and then they send out to another city that's right next to it. And they sent out a church. What I was very excited about, Pastor James Brady, who was the first pastor there in uh, Cape Town, He is now going back to pastor in Mitchell's Plain, and he is excited for that. Give the Lord a hand of praise for that. Even if you don't know him, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for that. He's going back into the very place where God had first put him. Now, he's been through a whole lot. His wife passed away. 
There's been so many things that he's gone through coming back from South Africa, feeling like a failure. He was saying, man, I felt like a failure. I didn't think I was ever going to do this again. But God restored, restored that same vision that God gave him in 2006. The same one. See, some of you are here, and God gave you a vision even when you got saved years ago. He's like, wow, that could never happen. I believe you're going to get a restoration of the vision back again. But you got to catch this thing. Grab a hold of this thing. Let God do something internally inside of you and watch what can happen. Listen to me. I said it earlier. You guys are not ex-drug addicts. You guys are pastors that, yeah, yeah, you did a little bit of drugs, but you were on your way, and God is now molding you, shaping you, doing something inside of your life like you've never seen before. So when you graduate the home, you are not going to stay here. You're going to go, and we need you over there in Europe. We need you over there in South Africa. We need you over there in these different cities. Why? Because God has placed a vision inside of you. There's something that is stirring up. I'm believing that in 2017, God is going to stir up inside many of you a vision like you've never seen before. And even if you did see it, it's going to be a stirring of a new vision. And you're going to have a new purpose, a new call. Like Paul told the church there in Ephesus, and he's telling us here in the heart of the bay, there is a vision that God has given us to reach the world. And it starts right here. Starts right here. Listen, we don't need a mega church to reach a mega world. All we need is a mega God. And he has given us a mega vision. I'm excited to see what God is going to do in 2017 with many of us. Many of our hearts to see many of your children come, raise up. God's going to do some tremendous things. Even for those of you that say, well, my children are far off. They're not even saved. I still believe that God's going to do something inside of their lives. They're going to be right there next to partnering there next to you. That was another thing I seen over there in Cape Town. I seen the moms and the, and the sons coming together. Keep Benjamin in prayer. How many of you remember Benjamin? Keep him in prayer. Something's happening now with him. Something sparked up back again. The enemy tried to take him out, but God has shown him favor. For those of you that don't know Benjamin, Benjamin was a man. He came here from Cape Town. And as they come to the piano, and I just want to share this quick story. They came, he came from Cape Town, and he came here actually on the run, leaving from this place called Hanover Park. And Hanover Park, they'll kill you. When I mean kill you, they'll shoot you in the head. They'll leave your body there. Then they'll call your mom and say that's where your son is. Like, that's what they'll do. They're crazy. I mean, these guys are killers. And so in Hanover Park is where Benjamin's mom lives. He can't be there. He, you, know, you know when you steal some things and do some things for some people, you try to avoid them as much as possible. Well, Benjamin did some things that he should not have done. And so he was here for a while. He went back. He got caught up. And when he got caught up, these guys were looking for him. And they were looking for him. So we went to go stay in, you know, Belleville. It's kind of like going from, you know, Fremont. You go stay over there because the guys from Oakland are looking for you. They just go stay over there. And if they can't, they find you over there, well, then just hop on over and go to Newark or go to another city. Just keep on hopping. That's pretty much what he was doing. So one night, we get a couple guys and we go there. And we find him. He didn't think we were going to find him. We found him. He'd been on the run, been going around. And we were there at 11 o'clock at night, showed up knock, knocking on his door. We go in, you know, Pasta. Come on, Benjamin. We got in the room. There's about five, 
Six of us guys, his mom was there, his two sisters, he had a cousin. We're all there in this small little room. We started talking with him, prayed with him, believing with him, then we left. The next day, found out the guys, one of the gangs there, they're called the Laughing Boys. That's the ones who were actually looking for him, the Laughing Boys. They're a gang. That, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, Laughing Boys? Like, what is that? Going to f- come to find out, that's actually one of the, the groups that goes against the Americans, which is a big gang, and they're always packing. They're always wanting to, you know, get you. Well, that was the group that wanted to find him. For whatever reason, even Benjamin doesn't know. I talked to him a couple days later. He told me the next day, Pastor, the Laughing Boys came to my door, knocked on the door, and his mom answered. He said, we're looking for Benjamin. Tell him to come out here. And if he don't come out there, we're going in there. He came. Came to the door. And he just... And the guys, there were a bunch of guys there, and they told them, they said, pretty much, they didn't even know why they were doing this. They said, we don't know why. We're going to squash it. It's done. You can walk Hanover Park now. Go ahead. And left. That's the favor of God right there. That is the favor of God. I mean, who, who does that? Some of you have been saved for 10 years and you still got other people that still want to kill you. They still don't like you. This guy, he's in the middle. He shouldn't have been there. And they walk up to his door and say, it's done. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. Listen to me, Victory Outreach Heart. There are some things that we have not yet stepped into, but we ourselves got to step out. We ourselves got to step out. First, be grateful, people. Be great. Be thankful for what God has given you. Once you have that gratefulness, show it with the joy of the Lord. Catch this vision that God has for you. Watch. Some of you, you're going to find yourself on the other side of the world. And some of you say, well, maybe I can't go to the other side of the world. But you can go to the other side of the street. You can go to the other side of the bay. The other side of California. Who knows? what God wants to do with you. But when you catch this vision, watch what God can do within your life. Stand with me here tonight, today.